Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development and Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, our guest is Scott Shover, the CEO of the Iowa Roll Water Association. Scott is an Iowa native. He was born and raised in Northeast Iowa and graduated from West Delaware in Manchester, Iowa, where he resides today. After earning an associate's degree in natural resource management, Scott joined the Iowa Rural Water Association team in 2004 as a wastewater technician. After nearly 17 years in the field, Scott was promoted to CEO of the Iowa Rural Water Association. Scott lives on a farm with his wife, Susan, and their children, Sydney and Sladen. He has a passion for helping others in the industry and enjoys spending time with his family, friends, and enjoying outdoor activities. Scott, thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. I I don't want to say new to Iowa Rural Water. You've been around a while, but you've been um, the executive director now for about a year. Explain to people your background. So yeah, I started out into the industry um, as a wastewater technician uh, with Iowa Water, and uh, I've been there for about 17 years. Traveled all over the state of Iowa, worked on a number of different issues um, on the wastewater side of things, and also, you know, kind of transitioned over a little bit onto the water side. I'm just a little greener on the water side than the wastewater side. What made you make the decision that, all right, I want to put my name in the hat to lead this organization. What led you there? Well, I, I believe in what we do. I believe in what the association stands for. The work that the field staff people do out in the fields is really needed. Uh, there's a lot of systems out, out there in Iowa and across the country that really would struggle if they didn't have the services that, that the rural water systems provide um, with both technical assistance and training. There's a lot of turnover in our industry, a lot of people retiring, and without those field staff people out there teaching these new operators how to fill out an MOR, how to do, how to run a treatment plant, how to fix a water main break, I mean, there's just a vast number of things that uh, we assist these small communities and systems with. Uh, they'd really struggle, I think, without, without some of that assistance. So it's a little bit about you. Talk to us about Iowa Rural Water. What is Iowa Rural Water? Who do you serve? What does your organization look like? Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting topic because uh, we we often get confused with um, selling water. And Iowa Rural Water itself does not provide water to any of of uh, its members or anybody in Iowa. We are strictly a training and technical assistance provider. So we're a membership organization. We have about six hundred and 30 community members. Um, we have 17 rural water systems as members, then a few um, individual members, and then associate members as well that provide assistance to, to the membership. So yeah, we provide uh, a lot of training to get those operators their CEU credentials um, to keep their licenses up to date, and then we provide uh, technical assistance to communities and systems that that are struggling with compliance issues or any aspect in, in the field of water or wastewater. So you've been the executive director now for about a year. What are some of the things that are going on in Iowa rural water right now that people should know about? Well, I guess one thing that we're really proud of is I believe we are the only organization that, that did have in-person training uh, throughout the last year. And we also expanded to doing um, some remote online 
training as well. I feel like we did a big part in getting these operators the education and the credits that they needed to keep their licenses up to date throughout the pandemic. I think a lot of people don't realize that even though we had a pandemic and a lot of things were shut down, the DNR in Iowa and other areas said, hey, we still need certified water operators to run systems, and that means getting CEUs. Talk about what that looks like in Iowa and how you guys work with the DNR to provide those type of credits to keep water operators certified. Yeah, so we're one of one of the few um, accredited uh, association or organizations that are allowed to issue continuing education credits, and we do that in a, a variety of different ways. We hold three conferences throughout the year. One is our annual conference, and then we have two fall conferences. And then we also do one-day training events that we try and scatter out throughout the state. And those are usually a five-hour class, and those are free of charge to attendees to come in and get their credits in those classes. We talked a little bit about the pandemic. How did that change the way you did business, the way you worked? How, it, it affects every organization differently. How did it affect Iowa Rural Water? It made us a little bit more conscious of how we put the training out there. Through the whole pandemic, we pretty much kept everything going as is. We had our, our field staff out in the field every day traveling around to communities. I would say 90% of communities were allowing our field staff in to assist them with the issues that they were having. There were just a few that, you know, shut things down and wouldn't allow outside organizations into their communities. But I would say overall, we, we pretty much kept everything going on a normal pace. You know, you hit on workforce a little bit earlier. I know most everybody is dealing with workforce. What does that look like for you, your members? And you talk about, you know, that ongoing training is as a lot of the rural water operators have been doing it for a long time, age out and retire, and you're trying to bring in new young faces and teach them what they need to know. What, what does that look like? Yeah, what does that look like for you guys? It looks like a revolving door. It, uh, <laughs> it, it's a struggle, um, and it's a, a biggest struggle for the very small rural communities because those communities, they recruit an operator, they hire them, they get them trained, they get them certified, and then they might not be able to afford to to pay that operator as much as the town next door. So that operator may move down the road 30 miles and be able to make quite a bit more money um, or have better benefits at that community. So that strands that smaller community in that same spot again. And so it's it's kind of a revolving door of operators, and it's it's hard to get those positions filled to where they're going to stay. Do you guys have any apprenticeship training? How, how, how are you trying to help those communities in this area, if at all? Because, I mean, this is a problem that many organizations, many industries are having. Yeah, so we, we have started with, in conjunction with some other organizations, a program called Water in Progress, and it's a high school internship. So we have established this program to allow it was uh, for high school men and women that um, would like to get into the field it allowed them to take on an internship through a summer but I believe we're going to actually expand that to possibly college kids as well too. We just started this this was the first year we had three um, internships in Iowa and all were really great experiences for both the communities and the interns so I look for this program to um, to continue to grow and possibly create partnerships with some of the other community colleges and such. 
I mean, that's a really progressive way to look at this because getting a kid who's in high school or in college to be interested in this industry, I think, is a is a great way to, you know, get them on a track of like, hey, this is something we can do. Where, where did the idea come from? How did you put it together? Because stuff like this always needs funding and curriculum and just all the stuff. What did that look like? Yeah, so uh, to address the funding first, actually we had another organization that had donated um, several thousand dollars to get this program started. That's where the money has come from to pay these interns this summer. Now that we have this program kind of up and going and we can prove that there's actually a, a program established, um, we're hoping to be able to obtain some additional funding to actually not just keep it going, but to expand upon it as well. What are some of the other things as the executive director that your members are seeing out there in the industry that they're needing help with outside of, you know, what we've talked about with CEUs and just that revolving door, as, it, as you mentioned? Money. <laughs> Money drives everything. And, um, you know, nobody wants, no council wants to raise their rates to uh, put that burden on their community citizens. So yeah, without rate increases, money is always always an issue to complete projects and, and you know, there's a lot of aging infrastructure in the water and wastewater industry that is going to have to be addressed at, at some point in time. Money is always an issue and and I think every industry. Is there any education you're trying to help provide your members to kind of help them understand what this looks like and any way you can be helpful in that? that area. I know you guys don't provide funding, but just the education piece. Yeah, I would say the education piece would be asset management plans. We try and get communities to develop asset management plans so that they know how to plan for those failures of, of their infrastructure and how to how to budget for their replacements. What other things are going on at Iowa Water? You, I mean, you got a lot of great things going on. What are some of the other things that are, I don't want to say hot topics, but things that you guys are working on right now? We've got a pretty new staff. Almost all of our field staff people at Iro Water had over 10 years of experience up until two years ago, and now all of them have less than three years. So we're, we're really trying to build upon a new staff and develop those relationships out in the field because technical assistance is a lot about relationships. So when you have a turnover in staff, you have to develop that relationship with those members and that staff member. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's really important because when you guys walk into a community to help them with something, if you know that operator or you know that person, it makes it makes all the difference in how that's going to go. Yes, it absolutely does. Um, it's one of the most important aspects of being able to help someone. If they trust you and they know you and, and you've been able to help them in the past, um, you're going to be let in the door with open arms. But if, if they don't know who you are and you show up, they're going to be pretty hesitant about letting you in. The technical assistance that Iowa Rural Water provides to its members, what are the largest areas outside of training, like in the field service? What are the biggest areas of need that your members have? So our water circuit riders, um, they do a lot of leak detection. They also do a lot of training with ammonia compliance, chlorine curves, basically the chemistry involved in the water. And on the wastewater side, um, we do a lot of sludge testing, a lot of smoke blowing to try and locate and eliminate I and I. We help them develop five-year sludge plans. So then we also, besides the water and wastewater, we also have a source water specialist. His name is Aaron, and he develops three source water plans a year. 
and that is wellhead protection or surface water protection of drinking water sources. Rural water um, associations like Iowa's provide a lot of services to customers and to their members that a lot of people just take for granted because when you turn on turn on your faucet, you take a shower, you flush the toilet, like services just happen. And there's a lot of work uh, from your staff and your members that go into that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of training to the public to let them know not only what we do, but what their community operators do as well. So, What does the future look like for Iowa Rural, Rural Water? What are the things that you guys have on the horizon or, you know, the things you're working on? Well, I think we just build upon what we've been successful with in the past here, and that, that's with our public relations with our, our members and and helping them stay in compliance and and, uh, grow as communities and systems. All right, Scott, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. All right, thank you so much. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.